Well, hello. Welcome to One Life Community Church. My name is Greg. I'm one of the co-lead pastors here. Uh, and I just want to say that it is a blessing and an encouragement to be able to be with you this morning as we gather together to seek and engage with the living God. Uh, will you please uh, join me as I pray? Dear God, I give you great thanks for your presence in our lives. God, and, and there is something unique about when we gather together and remember who you are. God, that you speak to us in ways that are different than when we're just on our own. And so I pray that you would speak to us as a gathered people this morning. That we would hear you in that unique way when we're together, um, that, that, that there's something different. And I pray we would notice that this morning. Um, yeah, so I, I pray, and in that, that we'd be transformed uh, and we become more like you. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we are in week nine of our sermon series entitled As We Go, where we have been looking at the different stages or different themes of being on a journey. And at the beginning of this, we talked about a, a few kind of realities that we thought might happen as we go through this. We thought, one, um, we realized we're not going to be able to hit every single aspect of a journey that when we go on journeys we're on trips or whatever there are so many different things that happen we just couldn't hit all of them but we did feel like we got to the ones that the holy spirit was inviting us to explore together uh, secondly that some of these moments would be funny and light and have sort of a you know a, a, again a more light a lighter feel to them and some of them are going to feel a lot heavier some of them are going to feel uh, a lot more difficult to to hang on to um, and we found that to be true. And then third, that uh, Rich said early on that uh, there are times where this is going to get personal. And that's because we're all on a journey, right? That, that, that our lives are journeys. So there's someone for every, something for everyone to kind of connect into here that's going to feel really personal. We've, uh, we started off by looking at what it means to start a journey even before we take those first steps but what happens inside of us that compels us to move? And we said there are three questions we ask, and it's who am I, where have I been, and where am I going? We also saw that it was God's intent from the very beginning that we not be alone, that God has given us traveling companions in each other for our journeys and as we go. We have looked at what happens when all of our preparation doesn't account for everything that's going to happen to us on the road. That, that idea that no plan ever survives the road. There's always going to be something that happens that we didn't plan for. And that some of those things are unexpected, but, but they're really cool, right? They, they, there's this great moment. We get a great opportunity to step into something amazing that God is doing. And it feels good and exciting and kind of thrilling. And then there are other unexpected moments that are not that way. They're, they're unwanted. They're, they're, they're unwelcome. And they kind of blindside us and feel like they're trying to tear us down. But with both of those, that God is weaving together this tapestry uh, of our lives. It reflects our journey. We looked at the reality of being lost. We talked about what it means to be faithfully present in the different spaces and places and the moments we're in on our journey. We engaged with this reality that although we called it, are we there yet? It was really exploring the tensions we feel when we know something's not right or not how we would like it to be, and how do we navigate that? And then last week we looked at what does it feel like and what do we do when we're nearing the end of our journey? And we talked specifically about aging and how the church can help in that process and, and, and how that works itself out. And today we're going to talk about arriving. What does it feel like and how do we respond to the end of a journey? And even just looking at that, there are several aspects of that. There's that moment where 
you get to wherever you're going, and, and before you shift into, into all the things you need to do when you're there, you just kind of stand or sit. I remember sometimes coming home and setting my bags down and going and sitting in a chair and just taking a breath. There's this, this pause. There's this moment there where I'm just in the moment. And then I shift into unpacking and, and, and all the sort of rhythms that need to, to happen in this new place that I'm in. But both of those um, really take into account the thing that I really feel led to talk to you about today, and that's what I'm calling remembering. That when we arrive at the end of our journey, there's this remembering that happens, that is supposed to happen. Again, talking about that moment where you just stop and take a breath, a big sigh after a big, long car ride, or, you know, being in the airport for a long time, flying, all kinds of things. When you get somewhere and you just go, and, that, and what you do is your body is acknowledging, and there's a memory of that long trip and saying, that now is over. That now is done. My body is reflecting that. And in the unpacking, there might be things that you find in your unpacking that just are going to trigger memories of where you've been. When uh, my wife Angie and I went to Molokai, uh, and I told you guys this story before about getting to ride on this mule named Stripes. And the thing about Stripes, I learned so many amazing things from Stripes. Uh, But when we were unpacking, I found a memento of that trip. And all those memories, oh, Stripes, I remember. It all came back. And then just the act of remembering is also an unpacking of a sort. It's not the physical unpacking, but it's all the internal, the emotional, the spiritual. um, All those things that begin, we begin to unpack uh, as we go into this remembering process. When we look at the Bible, it's full of remembering. And you can look at just the word remembering, and it occurs some 230 times uh, in the Bible. But there's also lots of places where remembering is happening without using that word. But if we stick with that word, the first time we see it is in the book of Genesis in chapter 8. And it's after the flood has happened. So God has flooded the earth, and Noah and his family and all the animals are in the ark. Uh, And this is where we first encounter that word remembering. In Genesis 8, verse 1, it says, God remembered Noah and all the wild animals and the livestock that were with him in the ark, and he sent a wind over the earth, and the waters receded. Then right after this, in, uh, um, in in chapter 9, verses 14 through 16, Uh, Whenever I bring clouds over the earth and the rainbow appears in the clouds, I will remember my covenant between me and you and all living creatures of every kind. Never again will the waters become a flood to destroy all life. And whenever the rainbow appears in the clouds, I will see it and remember the everlasting covenant between God and all living creatures of every kind on the earth. And so the very first utterances of that word remember happen around God remembering his people, God remembering Noah and his family and creation and, and, and rescuing them and sending the wind to calm the, the storm and, and, to, and to cause the flood to recede and then to remember, I'm never going to do that again. It's, it's his way of remembering this promise. And when we look through the rest of the verses, what we find is there's just a lot of remembering that happens in Scripture and I think is supposed to happen in our lives. We find God remembering people. He remembers humanity as a whole. He remembers the people who were following him, and he also remembers specific people. There are times where it's like, and God remembered Abraham. And God remembered, and we have these moments where he remembers individuals. But he also remembers promises. He remembers covenants. He's remembered things that he said he was going to do. And then we have people all over Scripture that are encouraged to remember God. 
to remember the things that he has done, the places on their journey where he has met them and delivered them and brought them out of all kinds of things. But we also, I think, find that, that, that we're supposed to remember each other, remember our own lives, remember our stories. Because in those, we find God also. But I want to make sure we know that when we do this remembering, it's not just like a highlight reel. It's not like the top ten plays on ESPN where we're just looking at these amazing, wonderful things that happen. We're called to remember everything. The good, the bad, the difficult, the easy, the dark, the light. We're called to remember our whole story. In the book of Deuteronomy, God's people are encouraged five times to remember that they were slaves in Egypt. Each one of those is to remember this place they had come from. And that this is actually one of the main reasons why God causes people to observe the Sabbath. Because he says, do you remember when you were in Egypt and you had no control over your life at all? You were working under someone else's clock. They were controlling you. They were controlling your life. Now I've freed you. Take a day and remember that. Do something in that day that turns that around and says, we're not under the control of any other people. We are free. One of my favorite songs is uh, by a band called Midnight Oil. And the song is called Forgotten Years. And, and I'm going to quote some of the lyrics here. It says, The hardest years, the darkest years, the roaring years, the fallen years, these should not be forgotten years. The hardest years, the wildest years, the desperate and divided years, we will remember. These should not be forgotten years. And he goes into the verse here. He says, Our shoreline was never invaded. Our country was never in flames. This is the calm we breathe. This is a feeling too strong to contain. Still, it aches like tetanus. And it reeks of politics. Signatures stained with tears. Who can remember? We've got to remember. The forsaking, aching, breaking years. The time and tested heartbreak years. These should not be forgotten years. We are invited to remember both the good and the bad, both the hard and the difficult. But I don't know if we're very good at it. I think sometimes, as uh, ancient cultures used to do some things a lot to help them remember, um, we still do some things, but I, but I think we, we've, we've lost that ability, especially as individuals. I think as a nation sometimes, we have national monuments, some things that, that we look at to help us remember. But I'm wondering, what do we do in our individual lives to help us remember? If we go back in Scripture, there's a spot where uh, the nation of Israel is getting ready to cross the Jordan River. Joshua's going to lead them through. Um, and so God tells him, uh, have the priests take the Ark of the Covenant, and as soon as they step into the water, um, I'm going to split the river, and you guys will be able to walk through to the other side. And so they do that. The, Israel crosses through, and he says, but go back in, split the water, go back in and have 12 leaders are going to grab, each of them grab a, a big rock, a big stone from the middle, and you're going to pull those out, and then the place where you camp tonight, you're going to put those in a pile, and you're going to make a monument there. And this is what he says is, is the reason why he does that. It's in Joshua 4, verses 4 through 7. It says, so Joshua called together, there we go, Joshua called together the 12 men he had appointed from the Israelites, one from each tribe. And said to them, Go over before the ark of the Lord your God into the middle of the Jordan. Each of you is to take up a stone on his shoulder according to the number of tribes of the Israelites. 
to serve as a sign among you. In the future, when your children ask you, what do these stones mean? Tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. When it crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. These stones are to be a memorial to the people of Israel forever. And so the basic idea is there's this big pile of rocks. Whenever they come by, their kids or whoever is going to ask, what are are those there for? And they're going to retell the story. They're going to say, this is why those are there. This This is what happened. This is the moment that we lived through. We don't often do this, though. This is not easy for us because sometimes there's there's hard things to go back into and we're often so busy we want to rush into the next thing. Keep moving and going. Keep, don't take time and remember. So I want to talk for a few minutes about some things we do that are designed to help us remember. And the first one of those is being here. What we're all doing right now is, is remembering, right? We take communion every Sunday and Brian tells us that this is an act of remembering. Right? And, and I love the way he describes it. That it is this fleshy, tangible thing that we do. Because it reminds us that it's not just remembering in our minds, but it's remembering with our whole person. Right? That our bodies get involved in this act of remembering. And, and the, the line of, and so as you feel the bread on your fingers and you taste the juice on your tongue, our whole person is invited into this remembering. And he says, this is how we remember that God has not just been active in the past, but he's active right now, currently moving, and we get to participate in his work of reconciling all things to himself. When we sing together, right, there have been moments where I've come in and I'm like, I don't feel like singing today. And moments where it's not just like I don't feel like singing. It's like I actually don't have it in me as a person to sing. There are things going on in my life. I can't join in in that song. But then everyone else is singing. And I can feel like, oh, everyone else. But what I've found is that I go, yeah, I'm here. I'm with them. Right? They're kind of upholding me with their singing. Sometimes I feel that way for a day. Sometimes months. Sometimes people feel it for years. But the voices of the people... Sharing those memories, sharing those songs can uphold us and we can participate. That song I quoted earlier, at the very end of it, kind of in, in between uh, the, the, the written lines, there's these sort of kind of free singing uh, moments. And, and the lead singer, one of the things that he says is, uh, who needs someone to sing to you now? And what he's asking is, all of you who are out there and we're talking about remembering the hard times and the good times and you don't feel like it's possible, you don't feel like you can go forward, who, who are you? Because I'm going to come and sing to you. Who needs someone to sing to you now? Worship is remembering. When we engage with God's word, we're remembering. We're hearing stories that happened thousands of years ago and yet impact us very strongly today because we're remembering that history is working itself all the way from then until now. And then we fellowship together. We share our stories. We hear what's happening when someone says, oh, this was going on. And and we're like, oh, what did you do? And well, the Lord did this and I did. Oh, wow, that's great. And we begin to... We begin to remember times in our own lives maybe where God has worked or we just get to enjoy hearing where God has worked in their lives or we get to pray with someone who's like I don't know if I feel God's presence right now so coming here to church is one way to remember another way you can see this big pile of rocks up here um, uh, when Angie and I lived in Pullman we had a friend at the church we went to who, who kind of gave us this idea and we've kind of done it off and on at our house 
Um, but he had a big pile of rocks that he could see, he and his family could see every time they, they left and came into their house. And it was what they called their Ebenezer stones. And they just made this big pile. And every time they had something they were thankful for, they'd go write it on one of these rocks and put it in the pile. And so when they needed, sometimes they needed to actually go over and be reminded. Other times they could just look and go, wow, there's that pile of rocks for all the things that I'm thankful for. Um, and for them, it was really helpful. Um, when I was doing uh, campus ministry, um, uh, way back early on, there was uh, a group of students who we had uh, been preaching off this, uh, this sermon, Joshua Crossing, uh, the Jordan with, with, with the nation of Israel and we talked about this idea of you bring these stones out and we'd given them journals and some of them started calling these these are our book of stones right so we've got these journals and they, they didn't just write the things they were thankful for they started writing everything these are the things that are really hard this is the thing that was I didn't really like today this was this was the great thing today and I had this great food today and they were journaling about everything remembering so many things and all these external monuments, these piles of stones, these books, these journals, they're all building what I call heart monuments. Right? These things that happen inside of us. There's, because in, in, in all actuality, it's just a pile of rocks. But because there's some meaning attached to it because of an experience that happened, there's something in my heart that changes. This happens when we hear a song, drive through our hometown, Maybe see a book that we read when we were a child. See an old photograph, maybe a letter, an old email. We run into an old friend, and all of a sudden we're remembering and feeling all kinds of things. And sometimes it's an overwhelming amount of emotion and thought, and other times it feels like a, just a calm breeze that kind of blows by. And sometimes we head into it very intentionally, right? I remember... Uh, I want to assure you that the, the story I'm going to tell you happens after all the work at our staff meetings are done. Nothing like this would ever happen during an actual staff meeting. Um, what? Some of you. Uh, so occasionally, um, uh, one of us will have some song we heard or has been stuck in our head, and it usually is from the 80s. Um, and, and we'll be like, hey, guess this song. And then we'll play it, and then someone else will be like, oh, guess this one. And then we'll go back and forth for a little while. And those, those, and I'm flooded with memories of places, friends, all this stuff. But I, I, had, I go straight into that stuff, and I love it. I'm like, let's do this all for the next 10 minutes. Um, yeah, because I wouldn't want you to think we spend all day doing that. Um, but, uh, but there are other times where we avoid those memories, right? Other times where something starts to, to, to percolate in us and we, we shy away from it. We don't, we don't want to be close to those memories because it's difficult. But we're supposed to remember everything. And, and, and this idea of the stones, really, uh, I really got into it thinking about it this week. And one of the things I came across was in First Peter, I remembered that it says Jesus is the cornerstone we're these living stones, and, and the image is, is kind of tied to a building being built, and, and that's in there for sure. But I think that maybe our lives as living stones are supposed to be kind of monuments, right? Maybe the people around us are somehow supposed to be reminded of something. Maybe there's something that resonates in them because we're created in the image of God, and we're, our spirit is kind of always crying out to his spirit, whether we know it or not, or whether we're following him or not. I think there's a part of us that's always crying out. Maybe when somebody sees something, that there's a reminder of, oh, there's something there. 
Sometimes we talk about people in the Bible who aren't following God. They're, they're referred to as lost. You know, there's something that reminds them, oh, that's the, that's the path, that's the way. But it doesn't stop with just remembering. It's fantastic to sit and remember, but there's something about us sharing those, those memories, sharing those stories. I, uh, the other day, watched uh, a movie with um, Mariella, my youngest daughter, and after we got done, as soon as the last scene hit, she bolted out of the room. And I heard her, she kind of rounded the corner out of our living room, and she just was tearing up the stairs. Her older sister and a friend were upstairs, and as she was going up the stairs, I could just hear her shouting out, like, different spots from the movie, not at all in order. Here's the part from the middle, here's the beginning, here's the end, and mashing them all together. And she just, she couldn't contain it. And when she came downstairs later, I was like, wow, you really like that movie. She's like, yeah. And I was like, so, so tell me, what's going on? Why'd you run upstairs? She was like, I just couldn't hold it. I couldn't hold it in, right? There was, and, and it's just, she had this excitement about this story, and I was so caught off guard, I just was like, thank you, Jesus, for showing me, like, the, the joy of a six-year-old and something they're excited about, because I, as I've grown up, and I think a lot of us, too, have gotten sort of like, well, I don't want anyone to see me kind of running up the stairs crazy, just shouting the story, the thing we're excited about, the thing that's changed us, the thing that's moved us, the thing that's compelled us to do something different. But Mariella reminded me she didn't care about any of that, right? Maybe we should sometimes have that same zeal. Um, but the, the point was that she wanted to share this. Uh, there's a gentleman named Christopher McCandless that some of you might be familiar with. Uh, his story was made famous in a movie called Into the Wild and a book by John Krakauer by the same name. The basic gist of the story is he grew up in Washington, D.C., uh, graduated from high school, didn't want to go to high school. His parents uh, urged him to. He did. After a college, he gave whatever money he had left away and decided, I need to get out of society. I need to get away. I don't want to be connected with society. i got to disconnect. Um, and so he did some trips, kind of, you know, going into nature and all this stuff. But his main goal where he ended up was going into Alaska. And what he did was when they were building the Alaskan Highway, they would drive these buses out, stop them. People would do some work. And then they had, uh, like, stoves and fire pits in these buses and so they'd drive another bus up a little further and they'd park it and then they'd bring the one that was back there and they and they kind of piggyback these buses up and they stopped building it hunters eventually would kind of use them these are our base camps so they'd go in and hunt and they had stoves and uh, fires and all that kind of stuff in these buses and so his goal was to get to one of these buses and just live out in nature in the wild and he did and things were going great at first right going fantastic and then he decided at some point that he wanted to get back he needed to go back he wasn't exactly clear why but he just decided i'm going to go back um and the problem was is that the river that he had crossed earlier in the year was way lower uh and now he tried to go back and it was too high he couldn't cross it the river was too high and so he decided i'm just going to go back to the bus i'll live there uh through this season and try again later when the river's low during that time, though, something happened, and, and there's a couple theories, but the, the main one is that he ate this plant that, that wasn't what he was supposed to eat, um, but uh, the, 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 basically what the plant does is it robs your body of the ability to, to derive nutrients from your food. So you can eat all you want, but you're starving anyway because you can't pull any of the nutrients from it. And so um, <clears throat> he was out there on his own, um, and he had read Dr. Zhivago. He took some books with him, and in the the margins on, that's kind of one of his last kind of things that he wrote. 
uh, in the margins of Dr. Zhivago, he wrote, happiness only real when shared. So here's this guy, disconnects from society, goes out into the wild on his own, thinking this is where my happiness is going to be, and he finds it's not that he wasn't happy, it's not that he didn't have a great time, but he discovered there's something this happiness could be more if I could get back and share it. Like if I could let people know that, that I've been changed and something has happened and there's something wonderful that I want to communicate to people. I think we are meant to share our stories. We're meant to encourage and build each other up, to challenge each other, and to just invite and sit and be welcome in each other's stories. Because when we do that, we are changed. We are transformed. We become different people. In Luke 5, we read about a group of fishermen who go out fishing one night and don't catch anything. It's, it's actually a, a bad night. The next morning, Jesus shows up and says, let's go out to the deep water and we'll cast our nets there. And, and the sense that you get from the fishermen is like, oh, it's been a really bad night, right? I don't but what they say is, but because you ask, we'll go. Not necessarily because they know he's Jesus, the Messiah, but because you're some guy asking, okay, we'll go. And, and we're going to grant you some kind of authority. So they go out, catch so many fish, too many, nets are ripping, all this kind of stuff. And this is this guy, Peter, he's one of the fishermen. This is his response to Jesus when he sees this happening. It says, when Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. After Jesus had died and been resurrected, Peter had been hanging out with him. Uh, Jesus died and was resurrected. The disciples are back out fishing. Some of them are out uh, not really knowing maybe what's going to happen with their lives, not knowing what's next. Um, and so they, they maybe have gone back to what they knew and they're out fishing. Uh, and have a very similar night to the night in Luke 5 where they don't catch anything. And Jesus shows up on the shore and he shouts to, the, to them. He says, hey, don't you guys have any fish? You haven't caught any fish yet? And they're like, oh, no, no, we haven't, you stranger on the shore, right? Thank you. Um, and he says, well, throw your nets on the other side of the boat, which is like, these boats aren't huge, right? It's like, well, that's like from here to there. You obviously don't know what you're talking about. But for some reason, they do it. And again, this huge haul of fish. And this is what happens this time. It says, Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, It is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him, for he had taken it off, and jumped into the water and made his way to shore. Something is different about Peter, right? For those of you who have read about Peter, he's always intense. He's always got these kind of, oftentimes they seem like overreactions. And so the first one, no, completely go away from me. This one, I'm going to jump in the water and go swim to Jesus. But the difference is, in, in, the, in the second one, just previous to Jesus dying, Peter had denied knowing him three times. If there was ever a time where Peter should feel shame or Peter should feel like, oh, maybe I don't want to be around you, it would seem like it would be the second time. I think what happened is, is in the first one, Peter's not, he maybe has done some things he's not proud of, but he sees this happening, he's like, no, stay away from me, for I'm a sinful man. In this one, he knows exactly who he is, but he also knows who's, who Jesus is, and he says, I will do anything to get to you. 
If I know you're on the shore, the boat can stay in the water. I could care less. Maybe he knows his friends are going to bring it in. Maybe not. He's like, you're what's important. I'm getting to you. I no longer need to be away from you. I want to be with you. He is different. He has been changed. And he's remembering these moments. It leads him to be able to engage with Jesus. But our stories are also important because they transcend time. How many of you can say you've been impacted by the life of someone who existed 2,000 years ago, right? Some of us would say yes. Some of us would say even further back. So we read stories in Scripture about Moses and all these other, you know, people that we read about, and their stories impact us. And those are thousands of years moving through to today. Our stories transcend time. Our failures, our successes, our moments of great faith, our moments of extreme atheism, our moments where we had it all together, our moments where we gave up, our moments where we rode into battle with more courage than we ever thought we had, and the moments where we hid behind the couch, curled up in the fetal position, just waiting for it to pass. All these stories are important. I think we look back and we see the disciples and we see the people in the Bible and we're like, oh, they live such amazing lives. I could never do anything like that. I wonder, though, that if they could see what we're doing now, if they would say, oh, yeah, you guys are pretty weak. You guys are pretty lame. Or would they be like, look how strong God is. Look at the things God has done in each one of our lives. Look at the moments where he showed up. You know, maybe, I don't know, maybe we have it kind of backwards. Towards the end of the return of the king, two characters, uh, Sam and Frodo, uh, two of the main characters are together. And Frodo, they're both hobbits. Uh, Frodo is the nephew of Bilbo, who was the hobbit in The Hobbit. Um, Bilbo kept a diary of his journal, or a diary of his adventure that became the story of The Hobbit. And he gave that to Frodo. Frodo, at the end of The Return of the King, is adding to that. Right? So there's already been this passing on. This, this story is bigger than just Bilbo. He passes on to Frodo. He's going to add to that. But at the end of that, their part of their journey, there's this interesting moment where Sam and Frodo are together, and Sam says, Why, you've nearly finished it, Mr. Frodo, referring to the, 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 the written work he's working on. And Sam says, Well, you've kept at it, I must say. I have quite finished, Sam, said Frodo. But the last pages are for you. So he leaves these empty pages at the end and passes it on again. Because the story is bigger than just Bilbo or Frodo. And now it's going to add Sam in and he might pass those stories on to someone else. The things we do, the stories we have that are our lives, they're also part of something bigger. And they're also meant to be shared. There's traditions we pass on and people take those and add into them. You've heard me talk probably ad nauseum about uh, one of my family traditions which is making raviolis homemade raviolis my grandfather every thanksgiving would make raviolis sometimes thousands of them and we'd all get together hang out in his kitchen help him make raviolis and i have tons of memories surrounding that but it was always chicken and spinach with red sauce that was it that's what i didn't think that i thought that's what a ravioli was for years right i didn't know you could put other things in there why would you um and so, for years, that's what my family had done. That's what my grandfather did. That's what my parents did. That's what they taught me to do. Um, and then, as you know, when I married Angie, 
she had this idea that she, yeah right she was like well what if we used uh roasted garlic and italian sausage and i was like for what <laughs> right that that's not gonna mix with chicken and spinach she was like well no we wouldn't do chicken <laughs> what how could how could we do that and we decided okay and thinking my family was gonna have a conversation with me and they ate them and then we're like these are awesome we should do this all the time and i was like you all turned on me right but that was because the tradition was still held but there was new life given to it there's new meaning given to it new direction given to it and now my kids like gianna and mariella they love pesto so there's some talk i think about some pesto ravioli which i'm like ah no but that's the way it should be right it's good it's good that they're taking that because they take that tradition they honor it and hold it but then they add to it and make it their own our stories have legacy attached to them when we pass them on when we share them with the people who are coming behind us, and then they get to take that wisdom and move forward with it in new ways. So I've started telling my kids stories about when I was a kid. I tell them stories about when my dad and my mom were kids and what it was like for my grandparents when they were kids because they get to meet them, but they also get to know, oh, my life is attached to these other stories, and I get to learn from that and move forward. I think it's what we're called to do. You may know that today is All Saints Day, a day where we remember those who have gone before us um, and, and remember uh, saints, and, and, and we believe in a priesthood of believers, uh, and so we remember all the saints, everyone who's gone before us. But it's also the 40th year that our church has been going. And so downstairs, we have this big timeline that wraps around at least half the room, and it's got pictures and little things written on it that mark these moments these little monuments along the way and i want to encourage you tonight if you can make it to come to the gathering because we're going to hear from the people uh, who god invited to start this group god invited to get this thing rolling and we're going to hear kind of the heart of how it started and it's going to be really awesome to hear that and kind of attach it to where we are now and see oh so that's who we are it's not just this moment but it's this journey but I also want to encourage you to talk to each other, share your stories, um, and, and yeah. So worship team, you can come back up. Um, I don't really have a connection card question. I do have one. This is for you to write on your connection card, and then you can put it in the box. I just want to know, what, uh, what's one story you could tell about how God has met you in the midst of this As We Go series? So any of the things we've talked about, what is there, can you remember one moment where you felt like, oh yeah, God really spoke to me? Uh, and if you could write that on that connection card and put it in those boxes, that would be awesome. Because we would love to hear um, how, how God has, uh, has spoken to us during this time. Um, I'm going to pray, and then we'll, uh, we'll sing. Uh, and then we'll go downstairs and enjoy some fellowship. Take a look at the timeline. Uh, there's Top Pot Donuts downstairs, I believe, uh, and some other glorious treats. So let's, let's pray. Dear God, again, I give you great thanks. Um, God, in my own life, being able to stand at this point and look to the past and see where you have been working even before I knew it. Um, God, and, and many of us can share that same experience. Um, but I pray you would help us to remember well, not just to make up kind of, this is what I want everyone on Facebook to see my life look like, but, but to be honest about who am I? Where have I been where am I going? God, the, the, to, to be able to, to, to honestly look at 
my story, to look at our stories, to share those stories, to encourage one another, to remember you well, um, and, to, and to move forward. I do pray also that we would share with the people coming, share with our kids, share with the, the younger generation, um, and that, that we would hear and learn from them also. Uh, because they have stories and they have things that they're learning that are meant to inform and help us move forward too. So I pray we just listen to each other well. Uh, and Jesus, you just be moving and be present in all of that. And I pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.